Maybe today you, you walked in here or you tuned in online and you feel a little defeated in your faith. You know, it's great to be reminded that even when we are feeling like all hope is lost, to be reminded that God is undefeated, that God is our champion. God will come through. He will come through in our lives. And uh, man, I'm just so grateful that you're here today. All across this room, I look all over the place and those that are tuning in. If you're kind of new with us, you're catching us on kind of the tail end of a season where we devoted the first three weeks, 21 days, to prayer and fasting. How many of you did prayer and fasting with us? Raise your hand in the room. Come on, that's awesome. Hey, listen, how many of you are glad it's over? Raise your hand. Is there anybody that wants to carry it forward? Just anybody? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Hey, listen, um, here's what I would just remind you that there are probably some things that happened over the past three weeks. You're high too. I, I'm not your daddy though. I don't know if that's, I should not have responded to that. Come back, God, come back, Holy Spirit. He just, um, you know, there are probably some things over the past three weeks that, that maybe you, you experienced with God. Whenever you kind of stop doing some things or whenever you kind of take away some things so that you'll focus in on God, you, you might be surprised. Maybe over the past three weeks, you'll feel closer to God than you have in a long time. Maybe there's some habits that you started that you're going to say, you know what, I know the fast is ending today, but I think I might carry it forward just a little bit. Some of you cut out caffeine, you know, and maybe you feel a lot better. Maybe you ought to just carry that forward. So some of you stopped scrolling for three weeks and you're just dying to get back on your phone. Maybe, maybe there's a freedom in that and you're like, you know what, I feel freer than ever. Maybe I'm not going to put my mind back into that cesspool right away. I don't know what it is. Maybe there were some things where you you spent every day, you prayed for a moment, every day you read God's word, and for whatever reason, you feel closer to God. Could I just encourage you and say that we believe these 21 days is not just a standalone moment, but I want to believe that it is a prime, that God was priming the pump for all of 2021, and I want to carry this with me. I believe that the prayers that you have prayed and sowed in these three weeks, even if you haven't seen an answer, you're going to see the results of it throughout this year. I believe that when you give God the first and the best, that you're going to experience his blessing on the other side of it. I wasn't sure where I was going to go this week. Sometimes I plan stuff out, and then there's times where I'm like, okay, God, I don't, I don't know what to do here. And so I, I've been praying. I was like, God, what do you want me to say as we close out the season of prayer and fasting? And uh, God, God told me while I was uh, building my biceps on Monday morning, I don't know if you, you can't tell through all this clothing, but I was, building, I was building my biceps on Monday morning, and God spoke to me. I said, God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, where, where, where should I go? And God said, why don't you pick up where you left off? I was like, you, you want me to go back there? He was like, yeah. All right. So I thought to myself, where, where did I leave off? Oh, yeah, I left off with Matthew 17, 21. Anybody here remember what that verse said? It was a B. Thank you. It was a footnote. It was a footnote. We had to get the actual message from Mark 9, 29, when Jesus and his disciples, his disciples ran into a moment where they prayed and nothing happened. 
And Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer. In other words, there's a perseverance sometimes that you're going to have. There's a persistence sometimes that you have to press in to God before you see the answer. I felt like God said, speak on that. It's like, okay, okay. Because I imagine that there are things that you prayed for over the last 21 days that you haven't seen answered yet. There are some things that you just thought, okay, if this is that season where I lean into God, I, I just, if I fast, if I don't eat certain things, and if I don't watch certain things, that surely God's, and he hasn't. He said, I don't know what to make of this. God said, speak on that. So God reminded me of a guy named Abraham. And if you just remain standing for just a moment longer, I want to read to you what Paul, the apostle, this was after Jesus had risen and Paul would write to the church in Rome about Abraham, kind of reflecting back on his life. And I want you to hear what Paul said about Abraham because I think there's something in his story that's going to speak to us today. Romans 4 verse 18 says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now if that's confusing, let me just break it down. In situation where you would lose hope, Abraham kept hoping. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. I'm glad he said 100 because I got worried for a moment he was going to hit my decade. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. I like this part. But he was strengthened in his faith, gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Is there anybody here today that believes that God has the power to show up, that God has the power to do miracles, that God has the power. He's not done yet. And if you came here and your faith is a little bit weak, I got good news for you. You came to the right place because God has a word for you. And I believe God wants to strengthen our faith today. That's what I'm believing. And so I've got a word that is just special. I believe in this word because I feel like God gave it to me specifically for us now. So I want to pray, and I want you to receive it. Father, I pray right now that somehow, God, by the power of your Spirit, that you would open up ears and disappointed hearts to receive the word that you have. God, I believe in this word, not because of me, but because I know you gave it to me. God, I pray you help me get out of the way now. I pray that your spirit has no limit. I pray, God, there's no bounds to your spirit. I pray to that person who's on the other side of a digital device that where they are right now, that you you are going to speak to them. And I pray that our faith will be strengthened in the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, come on, can we give them praise one more time? Amen. You can be seated. I am excited. I'm pumped up. I did not fast caffeine. But it doesn't matter because I don't drink it anyways. This is all natural. I wake up like this. If you're wondering, is he like that? Yes, I am. You know one of the things that I have discovered that I struggle with? 
I think I'm not the only one, but one of the things that I, I know about myself, because self-awareness is so important, is that I am an incredibly impatient person. Do I have any impatient sympathizers with me? Raise your hand if you're an impatient person. Hold it up. I just want to see. And I am, I'm just going to own it. I'm impatient, okay? Now, I found not everybody's impatient, but I am impatient. I'm that guy that is constantly looking for the shortest line in the grocery store. Anybody like, like me? I walk up and down the aisle behind the cash register, and I will count the number of people in line. And I'm so sick that I'll look in their cart to see who actually, because not all people are counted equal, because some carts are full and other ones aren't. And so I will judge every line before I pick one. Because there is nothing more frustrating to me than getting in the wrong line. Can I get a witness? Is there anybody who will say amen and preach with me today? I'm also a lane shifter. You all know what a lane shifter is, right? I'm that guy in traffic. I get in rush hour traffic, and I count cars. I get in my lane if we're moving. Praise God, God is with me, and I sense his presence, and then all of a sudden, if I get stalled out and then the next lane starts moving, I freak out. You know what I do? I always pick a car out. I look, I look oh, white Honda, and I follow that white Honda. A white Honda, I passed that white Honda, but now that white Honda passed me. And I watch for it, because then when their lane stops, I'm going to make sure that I get ahead of white Honda. If I'm not, I'm cutting over into that lane because there's something that God wants me to know further up the road. I, I, I'm a lane shifter. I'm a line jumper. Now, I, I have character. I'm not going to ditch, all right? Don't look at me like that. I won't ditch. I just have a problem with patience. Now, now we're all not made that way. I recognize it because my wife is not like this. My wife is one of the most patient people in the world. I am so grateful to have a patient wife, all right? I, I am that person, though, that when she asks me, hey, would you go to Starbucks or get me a coffee. Now, you know how much I love coffee anyways. And so for me to do this is a labor of love. But sometimes she'll say, hey, can you swing by and pick me up something, a drink from Starbucks or whatever. And uh, sometimes I'll be driving and I'll pull up and there'll be like eight cars in line. Have you ever noticed that have you noticed that something during this pandemic had shifted and when restaurants closed that every drive through lane is my worst hell? And and so I'll pull up. If there's eight cars in line, I'll text her back. It's closed, honey. I don't know why. I, they must have had an emergency. My wife, Starbucks could be wrapped around the building, the one here in Canal, out Jenner Road, and stopping traffic in the freeway, and she'd sit there and just be happy. Oh, well, hey, I'm getting a drink today. I'm like, no, my blood is boiling. I can't. It's not worth it. That's what I say. It's not worth it. Sometimes I'll go without lunch. Because the line's too long. It's not worth it. That's what I say. I know I'm sick. There's something wrong with me. But I don't think I'm the only person like this. Because I kind of feel like that, that our culture has kind of also added to it. I don't think I'm the only, uh, I'm not the only one culpable. Have you ever noticed that our culture today is all built around immediate response? See, I know this because I've lived long enough that there was a time when it wasn't. Like, I remember there was a time when the way you communicated with people was you either made a long-distance phone call that cost you a bunch of money or you mailed them a letter. 
How many of you remember what it was like when you had to mail letters? See, I, I remember you had to mail letters. And then, listen, things changed with technology, which I loved. And all of a sudden, we got email. Email was the greatest thing ever. But then how many of you know that even with email today, that you send someone an email and you keep hitting refresh on the inbox, waiting to see if they'll write you back? And if you do not hear back from somebody within 24 hours, they are rude. Cut them off. Never speak to them ever again. This, this is the, what I'm saying is our, our expectation and patience is, is diminishing. Now, today, like, we all have handheld computers. We all have devices, right? And, and, and we got text messaging. Text messaging is the greatest and the worst invention in human history because we're all slave to this now. And, and so, you know, now people can get a hold of you any moment. And what do we expect when you text somebody? They're to respond right away. In fact, we can thank Apple for creating this really, really frustrating thing. If you have iMessage, right, where you text somebody, and the moment they start to respond, you get the three bubbles. You know about them three bubbles? And, and I'm telling you, every time I see the bubbles, I'm like, oh, here it goes. Oh, come on, here we go. Here we go. Can I just tell you, I get so angry when I see the three bubbles, and then they go away, and they didn't respond. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, I start cursing that person. God strike them dead. You start, and then you stopped the bubbles. Now I need to hit every generation. I need to hit every generation because there's some of you, you don't use text, you snap. You snap people. You DM people. I message. And you want to make sure, and you expect them to have their notifications on, don't you? I snapped you, you better snap me back right away. If you don't know what a snap is, don't worry about it at this point, all right? Just stick with email. You're better off. I feel like uh, sometimes maybe, maybe this is why I get so frustrated when it comes to prayer. Because I feel like I, I send God messages, you do that. I feel like I DM God. That's what we've been focusing on for the last three weeks. I feel like I DM God, I, I message God, and it must be that he just has his notifications turned off. You ever feel like you haven't heard back from God? Have you ever felt like that? Can I just say all the time? I, I, I get frustrated. I don't know if it's because I'm impatient or what. But, but part of me feels like that if I'm going to pray, and if God moves when I pray, and things move when God moves, that I just expect that God should answer prayers. But I feel like I have been sending up DMs to God for weeks. Can I say it's been more than three weeks? Sometimes it's been over three years. And I haven't heard anything back yet. Hello? I want to talk about that because that's reality. That's what we're dealing with, right? And, and, and I, I was thinking about, um, you know, if you've ever struggled with this, I, I was thinking about we're not the only ones all throughout the Bible there are people who struggle with this. That God, God seems silent. I think about David, the, you know, the great musician, King David, who he, he wrote all kinds of songs. There's a song you could go look up. It's Psalm 13. David writes a song called How Long. That would be a great title for a song. Hey, band. 
That'd be a great, Tucker, we should write a song called How Long. I know we wrote a song called Taste and See about how good God is and all that stuff that we just aired today. But can I just tell you, David wrote a song. Who writes a song like this? It starts out like this. How long, oh God, will you forget me? How long will you remain silent? Great God, I've, I send you messages, I get nothing back, not even bubbles. Where are you, God? If you've ever been frustrated like that, then I think you can also identify with our character today, Abraham. You know, I read you about Abraham. See, a Abraham um, was a guy that had to deal with unanswered prayers. If you don't know the story of Abraham, if you're new, let me, let me give you the, the short version. Um, Abraham lived about 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago, he walked on this earth. And God appeared to Abraham when he was 75 years old in a very specific moment. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 12. We're not going to go there. But God appeared to Abraham when he was 75 years old, and his wife Sarah was 65. And they had this one issue. They believed in God. They just didn't have any children. And so God appeared to him and spoke to him and said, Abraham, I am going to do something so significant in your life. I want you to pick up, pack up your family, and I want you to move to a land I'll show you. God said, I'm going to tell you where it is when you get there. But here, I want you to take your whole extended family, but here's what I'm going to do. I am going to bless you, and I'm going to make you the father of a great nation, in fact, many nations, and I'm going to do something so big through you that the whole world will be blessed through you. Now, I need you to understand something about how significant this was for Abraham. In their culture, to not have children was kind of one of the greatest black marks you could have in that society, especially if you were a woman. There was so much honor that was given to a mother, and so I can only imagine, and we don't know this clearly through Scripture, but I, I honestly believe this, knowing the culture and knowing them, that I would imagine that they had prayed for at least three decades, if not four or more, for children. Can you imagine? Some of us have struggled with God. We've prayed for one week. They prayed for probably three, four decades 40 years, watch as Sarah's getting older and older and Abraham, and it's like, we're way past any ability to have kids at this point. And God speaks to him and says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Now, I don't know about you, but I would, I'd be stoked. I couldn't imagine in that moment how Abraham went home to his wife, Sarah's, you're never going to believe this. I met God. God spoke to me. He said, we're going to move. Pack up your stuff. we got to move. But he said, we're going to have kids. God's going to bless us. And he said he was going to do something weird to the whole world. I don't know. I just want one. Just one kid. I don't care. Boy, girl, redhead, and brunette, blonde. I don't care. I just want a child. Now, can you imagine just the way they felt? Because they don't have all the advancements we have in science. They don't have different medicines you can take. And they don't have different procedures that doctors can do in fertilizing the egg outside and putting it in. They didn't have all that. All they had was, God, we need you. Now, some of you maybe can relate. I, I bet there are maybe some, if not many of you, that you've actually been trying to have kids for a while and you haven't been able to. So this story actually kind of hits a little bit close to home. But I know for all of us, all of us have massive 
disappointment in our life over things that God has not answered. In fact, I, I want to talk a little bit about that disappointment. Do you know where most, I can look back in the history of my life, you know where most of my disappointment comes when I think about God? Most of all my disappointment comes from the delay. It comes from, God, I, I'm praying and I'm believing you. And listen, I'm fine if God wants to say no. The problem is a lot of situations, I don't feel like God has said no. Situations that I believe that is on God's heart just as much that I'm praying for and I just haven't seen it. And what happens is when your plans get delayed and when your dreams get delayed and when your prayers get delayed, massive hopelessness sets in. You get disappointed. Some of you know what that's like. The job that you have wanted, you just got passed up for again. When is this ever going to happen for me, God? Some of you, I wanted to get into a program so we could get forward with our life, and we didn't, I didn't make it. Now i got to have to wait a whole nother year. I don't know if I can do this. Some of you trying to start a family, and it hasn't happened, and you've gotten so discouraged, you've gotten so defeated. Here's why I need you to know this. Because in the moment when God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and he packs up his family, he's obedient to God. We're going to go. I want you to know that months and years go by with failed pregnancy tests every month. I want you to picture this. This wasn't just, God, will you answer my prayer? This was God gave him a promise. God said, it's going to happen. All right. And every month goes by and no pregnancy. And I want you to imagine the disappointment now, I imagine that Abraham's disappointment even turns to doubt. Now, here's, here's where I struggled a little bit in reading Romans chapter 4. Paul seems to paint this picture of Abraham's unwavering faith. I don't know if you got that. I just read it. Maybe you didn't get that. Maybe you're going to need to get your Bible out right now. Maybe you're going to get your phone because I need to go see this. I need to go see this. Paul writes about Abraham's, he says, without even getting weakened in his faith, though his body was all but dead, he believed God. He didn't even waver in his faith, but he trusted that God is good. Really? Now what's interesting is that's what Paul says, but that's not what Genesis 15 says. See, I, I ran into this tension and I was like, God, what are you trying to show me? Maybe I need to read Genesis 15 to you because you may not know what I'm talking about. This is Abraham, who, by the way, is known as the father of our faith. Not just our faith, but by the way, Abraham is known as the father of three of the largest monotheistic faiths in our world today. The father of Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all get their roots from Abraham. God tells Abraham, you're going to have... Children. In fact, I'm going to turn you into a nation, and all the world is going to be blessed through you. That was a prophecy about Jesus, the line that Jesus would come from. But months go by, some scholars would say nearly 10 years go by when you land at Genesis 15. Genesis 15, it says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said this. Now, here's his response. I need you to pay attention to what he says back to God. 
But Abram said, sovereign Lord. Now that's important. You're God over all. What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, now get the tone because I think I imagine how I would talk back to God years after he promised me something and it still hasn't happened. He said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now, I don't think it's too much a stretch to say that Abraham was massively disappointed at this point. Would you agree? God told him, I'm going to bless you. You move. He was obedient. Nothing happened. And I would imagine that his disappointment turned to doubt. Now, how am I supposed to reconcile this with what Paul says? Abraham, the father of our faith, unwavering faith. He did, his faith, he did not even weaken in his faith. Here's a guy that believed God. That's not what Genesis 15 seems to indicate. And there was a tension there. Now, if you're going, yeah, what are you going to say about that? So here's the thing you need to know about me. I actually am one who loves to dive into the tension. Because here's what I found. Tension in the Bible that is not easy to reconcile often lines up with tension that you and I feel. That's why I'm not afraid. I had to wrestle with this. I, had to, I texted you, didn't I, Russ? I texted Pastor Russ. I was like, I'm wrestling with this. This is what I see. What do you see? Because I'm like, I don't understand how Paul can say all those things about Abraham when he knows what's already been written. Then God gave me a perspective that I want to share with you today. Because I actually think these accounts reconcile very well together. God showed me two things. Two things that I want, I want you to see. The first thing was this. I wonder if Abraham's story and the way Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write his story, the way he story, I just happen to wonder if this was evidence of how God writes our story. Like, no, I want you to consider this. Because Genesis 15 makes it seem like Abraham was struggling to believe God. At least it makes it seem like he struggled with the massive disappointment and doubt. And yet, when Paul writes about him, Paul says, this guy had unwavering faith. And I wonder if what God does when he inspired these writers in the New Testament was that he inspired them to write these people's stories, listen, through the lens of grace. Come on, I am so grateful that God tends to write people's stories through grace. You should be grateful for it too. I'm grateful because when I think about Moses, you know what the New Testament celebrates? Moses, that Moses is a hero of our faith. Moses was a murderer. I think about David. David, come on, the Bible tells us, the Old Testament, God said, there is no one else who has a heart after me like David. David is a man after my own heart. David not only was a murderer, but an adulterer, and he stole someone's wife. How can you say that? Here's how. Because God always wants to write our story through his grace and not through our failures. Come on, is there anybody here that's grateful for that? Because I have a whole list of sins. I got a whole list of failures that if the, my failures and sins were written as the headline over my life, I would be depressed. 
but I'm so grateful to God. I'm grateful that God would write my story in grace. You know what I hope is said of me? I might fail. I've, I've taken massive steps of faith in our ministry. I'm grateful that, you know, we're, you're sitting in a step of faith right now. We're not sure how this is all going to pan out. We felt like God said do it. You know what I hope is said about me if it all fails, if it all messes up. I hope people look back at my life because of God's grace and say, here was a guy who was bold enough to trust God, to step out in faith. People might have thought he was crazy, but he was willing to trust God. He was willing to do whatever it takes to expand the kingdom of God. I hope that's the headline of my life, not how many times I fell down. And by the way, you can see that as the headline because that's the macro view. But it might look different if you asked me on Tuesday. It might look different if you put a magnifying glass on my faith. See, I don't want that. And so I just wonder if that could be why. And then God showed me something else. He showed me something else in this story that I thought was pretty amazing. I wonder if this story and what seemed like a contradiction was actually God's way of showing us that we can have faith and wrestle with doubt at the same time. This is going to speak to you because it speaks to me. I wonder if what we really find is that Abraham never did waver in his faith. He just also struggled with doubt. Did you know you can do both? See, I need you to learn this because I find that there are some Christ followers that don't know this. And so they think, okay, to have faith means I don't have any doubts. That's not what it means. Okay, I need you to get this because otherwise you're going to struggle in your journey. Okay, I can believe, I, I really do. I believe that Abraham fully convinced He said, sovereign God. Abraham was fully convinced that God had the power to give them a child. He was fully convinced that God could do miracles. He just started to wonder in the delay if he would for him. Now, can we be real today? Can we drop the mask? Not this one. Leave that one up. I'm talking about the other mask that we always wear when we come together. Can we drop the mask where we're just, everything is so perfect and great? Can I just get real with you? Okay, there are, this is something I wrestle with. Yeah, me, I wrestle with this. Listen, I can look back at my life. I don't doubt for one second that God does miracles. I don't doubt for one second that God can provide. We're living in faith right now, trusting in God. There is no part of me that thinks that God can't do it. I know God can do it. I believe it. I have not doubted one second that God can do every kind of miracles. I just struggle to believe that he'll do them for me. Do you understand what I'm saying today? I just need you to get this. This is so important. I can believe. See, I... I reject this idea that when your prayers don't get answered, that it just means I didn't have enough faith. Because I know what I believe. And I believe that God is sovereign. And I believe God's a miracle worker. And I believe that God can provide from any source. And I do believe that God can still heal. And I believe that God can still uh, raise people from the dead. I believe God can still do all that. There's not a shred of me that believes that that can happen. I know it can But my disappointment often brings me to a place where I just doubt he'll do it for me. 
I wonder who else in this room feels that way. I know I'm not the only one. Who else is, it's this disappointment, this bitter disappointment. I see this in our life today, and the truth is that I have found that disappointment because of delay often leads to doubt. If you want to know the process, it's when you pray and then God doesn't answer and he delays that you find yourself wrestling with doubt. I said, God, why did you want me to tell him this? I don't understand it. And then God showed me something. And I got real excited. I haven't even gotten excited yet. God showed me a pattern. Everybody say pattern. You know, there are a lot of patterns in the Bible. Can I encourage you to pay attention to patterns? Whenever you see a pattern, it's always there for a purpose. Whenever you see a pattern in Scripture, whenever God repeats himself, whenever you see something happen over and over and over again, it's there for a reason. It's, a, there's, it's there for a purpose. And I started to see, I feel like this was God just helping me because I was wrestling with this stuff. And I, and I felt like God started to show me and highlight this pattern. I found a pattern with God. And here's what the pattern is. I know you're thinking it's a pattern of faithfulness. Yep, we see that too. That's not it. A pattern of miracles. Yep, we see that. That wasn't it. It was a pattern of delay. I find that when I look at the narrative in Scripture, there is an ongoing pattern of delay with God. And you can, you can go all the way to the very beginning of your Bible. I'll give you some little homework you can do. Genesis chapter 3 is where it starts. If you follow the stories, you learn the Bible, you're going to discover this. In Genesis chapter 3, in the Garden of Eden, right, here's what happens. God puts a man and woman in this garden, says you can enjoy all of it, but stay away from the one tree. Most of you, I think everybody probably has heard the story, even if you don't go to church, that there was a serpent. We believe Satan that came and deceived Eve. She took a bite of the fruit. Oh, this is good. Such a loving and generous wife. She shared it with her husband. He then took a bite of it. They felt shame. God shows up. Genesis 3. And when God shows up and begins to press in and see that what he created that was so perfect that was now maligned and marred by humanity, God not only shared a judgment, but he revealed his plan. I need you to see this. This is so important. Okay? He revealed his plan. So this is interesting. When he spoke to the serpent, you go read this. When he spoke to Satan, the serpent, his judgment, he said this. He said, I am going to put strife between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. There's going to be, there's going to be a problem. Maybe that's why, how many of you women like snakes? Mm, no, right? Maybe that's why, I don't know. But then he said this. He said that you're going to strike his heel, if you know this with me, but he's going to do what? Crush your head. Now, every scholar agrees that's actually a reference to Jesus. This was his plan of how he's going to fix what's messed up. 
that, that he was going to uh, send his son Jesus, and the devil thought he would win when he put him on the cross. You're going to strike his heel, but you don't realize on the third day, He's going to smash your head like it's nothing. And this is a message. So when you get to the other side and you can look back. Now, I want you to get this. This was God's plan. Adam and Eve didn't pray for this. They didn't ask for it. This was God's plan. Between your offspring and hers. Between the, flip your Bible one page. Chapter 4. Guess what it's about? Her offspring. Cain and Abel, guess what you get? The first murder. Between God, God said, I'm going to do something through her offspring. All right, here we go. God's going to make it all right. Murder. And if you read chapter 4 and 5, what you're actually spanning is over 1,600 years with multiple generations. And guess what happens with her offspring? It gets worse and worse. In fact, you get to Genesis chapter 6, and it is so bad that God says, I regret that I made man. Why did I? This is a failed experiment. Now, here's my question to you. If God already knew the plan in Genesis chapter 3, already indicated he had a plan, then 1,600 years later, why hasn't he done something about it? I'm trying to show you something. Because with God, there's a pattern of delay. In fact, it would be thousands more years, listen to me, Thousands more years before Jesus would ever show up. Now, I ask you this question, and here's why. If God builds a delay into his own plan, not our prayer, his own plan, what do you think he's going to do with our prayers? Well, I prayed, and nothing happened. Well, guess what? God has a pattern of delays. In fact, can I just tell you this? How many stories do we find of God's greatest work in the Bible happen through delays? Can I tell you about Joseph? Joseph was a boy, 17 years old, and he has these dreams where God shows him, you're going to be in charge one day of your brothers, and you're going to do something significant. And he would have to wait 13 years, 13 years of being sold as a slave, 13 years sitting in a prison before he would ever see it come to pass. I think about David. What about David? David, who's anointed to be the next king when he's a teenager, and then he goes and fights Goliath and has to wait 15 years before he gets the crown running for his life the whole entire time. I think about Moses, and God said, Moses, I want you to go before the king of Egypt, and I want you to say, let my people go. Oh, I did that. He said, no. Well, I didn't realize I was going to have to go back 10 times. Why? Because there's a pattern of delay. And then when God finally brings the Israelites out through his powerful works, when God brings them out, he's going to take them to the promised land. We all know this story, right? We've talked about it here. He's going to take them to the promised land. You know, you can look this up in Deuteronomy chapter 1. Moses at the end would write, that to travel from Egypt to Kadesh Barnea, which is right at the edge of the promised land, takes 11 days on the road. 11 days. If it takes 11 days, why'd they end up in the wilderness for 40 years? 
It's interesting that God did not take them the most direct route. But what God did was he took them into the desert, the wilderness. And he took them into, into the wilderness, and it got worse. They ran out of food. But I need you to see something because Moses, <laughs> a lot of times you don't realize until you get to the other side. There are things that maybe you've been praying for for 5, 10, 20, 30 years. You might have to keep holding on. Moses would write these words in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. By the way, God did not intend for them to be in the wilderness for 40 years. He intended them for, the, for them to be there for two years. But because of their disobedience, they were left there for 38 more. But here's what I like. God led you all the way in the wilderness during these 40 years. He never left you. And he did this to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you. Look at this. Causing you to hunger. We're out of food. Praying, God, come on. Are you praying for provision? Are you praying for something? And he said, then he fed you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to do what? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God led them on a massive detour. God promised them something and then led them on a detour. God built in delay. God built in detour and he built in the desert. Why? Because he wanted to teach them something. And in the desert, when they ran out of food, God provided manna. And if you know what happened, God told them to collect just enough manna for what? Each day. Don't try to reach into tomorrow. Today. You collect enough for today. I'm going to provide enough for you today. And when they tried to hold more, it rotted. Why? There's a pattern. Every day, I got to go collect this. Yep, there's a pattern. God's trying to show you a pattern. Why didn't you just take me to the promised land? God's got to show you this pattern. Why didn't you just answer my prayer? God's got to show you this pattern. What's that pattern? Here's the pattern God showed me. God uses delays to develop daily dependence. Let me say it again. God uses delays to develop Daily dependence. Yes, there's a lot of D's in that. I want you to remember this, and I want every single person to say it out loud with me. God uses delays to develop daily dependence. Say it like you mean it. God uses delays to develop daily dependence. I want God to answer my prayer. God says, I want you to come to me every single day. See, I wonder if God had answered some of the prayers that I prayed three years ago. If I wouldn't be living in a state where I'm so desperate and dependent on God that every day I have to trust him. Maybe, maybe that's why Jesus made reference to this moment. When he said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Why does God teach us this? Why did Jesus said to pray this way? God, give me today my daily bread. It's because if not, we have a tendency as children to say, I want the bread from your hand. I don't want the word from your mouth. 
But I wonder if what God wants is not just to give you bread, but he wants to breathe and put his word into you. Maybe he wants you to get so close to him that you'll receive more than what he can do for you by who he is. So I guess I just wonder, because some of you might have come today and your faith is weak, and you've been struggling. You're like, I prayed and fasted for 21 days and nothing happened. Can I just suggest to you something? Maybe the goal of this entire fast wasn't to get God to move for you, but maybe it was to get you to move closer to God. What if God wants that? I want God to answer, and God says, I want you to get closer. What if, what if the lack, what if the deficiency was intended to drive us to God? What if that's why? And so I just wanted to encourage you today. If you feel like I want to give up, you feel like I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, God's working in the delay. You need to know about the pattern of delay. God's working. That's why James would write, James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, count it all pure joy when you face various trials because you know that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. And let perseverance finish the work so that you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Maybe God just is saying, come near to me. Come near to me. I just... There's something more that we can get from God than what he can do for us. But it's when you discover who he is. And, and so how can Paul be so confident about Abraham? It's because he knew the end of the story. You see, Abraham and Sarah had a child. Named him Isaac because Sarah laughed thinking it was so unbelievable that God would give her a child at 90, 90, 90 year old mom going to PTA, 90 year old mom. But see, Paul would write through the lens of grace, the highlight of Abraham's life, which was his faith when God spoke to Abraham a second time and said, I want you to take the son that you desperately, you wanted for decades and I want you to sacrifice them to me on a mountain I'll show you in Genesis 22 God spoke to him and said I want you to sacrifice your son to me as an offering now, I need you to know this lest you think God's crazy God had no intention of Abraham sacrificing his son he was testing him to see if he trusted if he had the faith to believe that God could raise him from the dead even if he did. And so I say that to encourage you. If you're in delay, God's not done. Come on, does there anybody here that believes that today? Come on, would you all stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. I just feel like as we close this out that maybe God wants to, he wants to do something in your spirit today. Maybe you'll posture yourself now in a, in a way to receive from God. Father, I pray, even in this moment, I pray for every person that is discouraged, every person that is in despair, every person facing disappointment, every person in a desert, every person dealing with the delay, 
And I don't know why every person wrestling with doubts. God, I pray right now in this moment that you are revealing yourself, that you are a God that works in the delay. And just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean you're not going to do it.